Continuing in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, this morning again, the Beatitudes, one of them. Hear now the text out of Matthew 5. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I think I've said each and every time we've approached one of these Beatitudes, is it's a reminder that these are the blessings, the declaration of God of happiness, felicity, well-being, spiritual, and other kinds of prosperity upon those that are named. And these are believers. If you've not been born again, these are not for you. They are not standards to which you must try to live up. They are descriptions of the Christian. And in all cases, especially the one we look at today, these are things that approach aspects of the character of God and Christ in His incarnation. And when we are like God, that is, God-like, the English abbreviation of that is godly. When we are godly, these are manifest in our lives. The one today centers around the notion of mercy. Mercy. God himself is merciful. In fact, that is the very genesis of the works that God does. You can go all the way back to the early days in Exodus, when God was seeking to lead his people out of Egyptian bondage where they had been for several centuries, it says here, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them. God sees. God knows. God understands our situation. And it stirs within God compassion. The concomitant notions of all of this wrapped together are compassion on the needy, 
Mercy is pity on those that are suffering. And it is mercy on the guilty. What we're looking at here and we'll glance at this morning is the ethos of suffering and need and guilt in which we all operate and God's response to it and how we reflect that. We do not generate that. We do not create that. We, as the image of God, as mirrors bearing His image, we reflect that characteristic of God. So let's look at a few passages that tell us a little about it. God was talking, by the way, to Moses at the burning bush in that passage I just read. Quite a few years later, about 40 years later, the Lord is talking to Moses again. Talking how he's going to lead them into a promised land. But from there you will seek the Lord and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. God is a God of compassion, full of mercy. In saving us from our predicament, God had to do a work. The Opus Dei, the works of God, coming from a heart of compassion, pity, mercy. He saw our sufferings and he knew he had to heal us in every way, spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, financially. We needed healing. God saw our great need, our paucity, our privation, our absolute emptiness. And so he responds with compassion. But what we often forget is God saw our guilt. He was the offended party. It was the creation that had rebelled against him. It was Adam and Eve who had disobeyed God and sinned and fallen into a most miserable state, a, a state of spiritual death, enslavement to sin, a condition of blindness to truth, a condition of deafness to any good news coming from God, any gospel. And God knew he must save us. And this mercy that God bestows upon us is a sovereign mercy. Here's a passage that's easy to understand, but hard to believe, hard to accept. Wherein the Lord says, referring back to these days of Moses and Pharaoh, referring back to the patriarchs, the fathers, Jacob and Esau, God says, 
I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. I think there's a vast misunderstanding of mercy in our culture today. We've heard the gospel. And let me just outline some of the words that are used around mercy, and they ring too. We hear it often. We hear that God's mercies are new every morning from Lamentations, from Jeremiah. We hear that God's mercies are tender. They're called the tender mercies of God. We've been told often that there's a wideness, there's a broadness, there's an inclusiveness in the mercy of God. We've been told God's mercy is infinite. He never runs out, at least as far as we're concerned. He has plenteous, plenteous mercy, plenty of mercy. His mercy is vast. It covers a whole range and array of our needs. And it comes from the deep mercies of God. By the way, there's an attribute of mercy that's mentioned in the, the hymn that we sang a moment ago that Brian Chapel wrote the, uh, the, two, the, uh, uh, the hymn. And it talks about it, and I think it's the third or fourth stanza there. I noticed it as we were singing. It talks about mercy more fierce. I had never thought of mercy as being fierce, but it has to be. God has to go to effort. Mercy involves getting up and doing something. The great example of mercy in the New Testament is what? The story of the Good Samaritan, where others didn't stop. They would have maybe, they'd feel sorry for the poor man that had been beaten and wounded and bruised and left half dead. But they rode on the other side. But when the Samaritan came, he saw the same need, the same circumstance. The difference was he had in his heart genuine mercy. And he had the willingness to do something. Mercy is active. Mercy gets up early in the morning and goes about the business of doing God's work. And that's what mercy is, even in the heart of God. God's mercy overcomes that which is defeating us. Two or three really strong and wonderful passages that are found in the Scriptures. Listen to one of them. This passage should be part of your, of your Scripture memory. It should be part of the warp and woof of your soul and your prayer life. But listen to the psalmist. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. The penitential prayer, the prayer of repentance. In summary, it tells us that it is a willing spirit and a contrite heart that the Lord gives us, a broken spirit and a contrite heart. 
Where are you on that? Where, where are we on that? Do we think of the mercies of God as the basis for our forgiveness? We're not saved, we're not saved by the mercies of God. We're saved by Jesus Christ taking our sins upon Himself on an old rugged cross. But it is the motivation, it is the mercy of God that moves Him to do all of history to point to that one moment when Christ would hang on the cross and die in our place. Mercy is what God is impelled by because He has that in His heart. There is no deserving in us. There is no way that we can earn it and work for it. God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him, seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us. Do you hear the mix? Do you hear the ethos of all of that? Compassion, mercy, grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not the results of workness, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And by the way, those good works, what do we call them? We call them mercy ministry, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. One more great mercy passage out of the New Testament, Paul's letter to Titus at the very last chapter. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's that regeneration, that being born again that we spoke of as we started. Whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's where the focus of God's mercy is. It's in Christ. He planned, decreed, worked, arranged, just like God created man by labor, picking from the dust of the earth and with a lump of clay began to, as a potter would form a vessel, He formed man out of the earth. God went about another great work, and that is bringing about our redemption. And He took His time doing it. I mean, Abraham to Jesus Christ is a period of 2,000 years. Of 2,000 years of great sinning and constant, unrelenting gospel preaching. Starting with 
the Lord himself preaching the gospel to Adam in the garden, and the Lord himself preaching the gospel to Abraham at his call, and going all through all of the prophets, Moses and all the prophets to follow, God keeps telling us about his mercy, about his grace. He keeps imploring us to respond. If you die and go to hell, it won't be because God was not providing for your salvation. It will not be because God has some shortcoming in his kindness. It won't be because God's love is limited. It'll be because you didn't receive that mercy. Those that are schooled in mercy, blessed are the merciful. Those that are full of mercy because they know what mercy is. They shall obtain mercy. They shall receive mercy. I don't think we're on a particular gospel passage here. I'm not sure we're really on a passage of law. I think we're on a passage where God just pulls back the curtain and lets us see just how wonderful He is. Just who He really is at, at, at base. Merciful. Lord, have mercy.